All right, everybody turn with me to 1 John. We have gone through the entire book of 1 John verse by verse. And uh, if you've been missing any of those messages, you can catch them on the website. We also have a new webcast thing that we're doing. It's going to be really fun because we have a, an interest now from people that are a part of our church that move or can't make it. For example, like David Montez is a part of our church. He was one of the first members, but he's in the military and he's in Wisconsin. So he wants to be a part of Metro Praise. So what we've done now is made our website interactive. And, uh, brother, go ahead and put it up there for him real quick so they can see it. This will be kind of neat. That uh, if you have any friends that you want to participate in our services, they can. This is our screen. Put up the web, uh, website screen, please. Oh, yeah, you're getting it up there? No, this is um, what you're looking at. Show them what they will look at when they go to metropraise.org, please. So I want to show you, let's say you have friends around the country that you want to be a part of our youth group. I'm going to show you how to do this on Fridays. Let's say you're, in, you're not old enough to go to crossover, but you want to go to crossover. Well, you can watch it on the webcast. There you go. So just hold it right there for a second. Okay, refresh it again. Let's see if we can follow the steps. I want them to see how they'll do it, okay? So you come right to the page. Here it is. Don't push anything yet. And you got this chat log right here. Love you guys. Woo, is this David? There's David right there. So he's there. You got the people on the right. So we have about five people tuning in right now. Um, we used to have it in another place where we would have hundreds of people, but they would be more like trolls. Not to call them a bad thing, but uh, they would kind of come in and do bad things. They'd be like, oh, you guys love Jesus. So I've gotten it to be a private site where really you're only going to know about us if you go to our website. Before it was on a channel that anybody who just randomly was, you know, let's say they wanted to watch the Danny Bonalucci show and then they saw our show, which is kind of cool. You're like, hey, that would be fun. Well, in this world, it's not because they'll blow up the whole chat log, and then you've got to put restrictions, and, and it's not interactive anymore. You have to have somebody monitor it. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, so basically, this is as simple as it gets. You go to metropraise.org, you hit on the live webcast, you look at this right here, and then you hit on the play button. There you go. Now it's going to go live. Scroll up a little bit so they can see I have a head. Okay. And it's lagging a little bit behind, so you'll see me wave. There you go. And then there it is. Okay. And then now the fun part is, and there's a little advertisement there, your theater or whatever, hit that off, you don't, and it will hopefully not come up again because that's kind of why it's free. You scroll down, and then uh, right there is the chat log. Now go ahead and go into the chat thing. Go into the chat thing and just say, I love Jesus. We'll wait for him to do that because we love Jesus. Okay? And then there it goes. Now, let's say you want to become a member with Ustream because you're a Ustreamer right now, 682. Uh, six nine whatever there's a way to do that and you can go to your name go to your name that's bold right there just click on it okay right click on it and it'll say Ustream. you don't have to go to that but if you want to sign up an account so meaning whenever like I say a friend was out of town or something you want to watch you could have your own thing then you sign up an account how many think this is pretty neat right here then do me a favor double click on what looks to be David seven seventeen three eight seven go to the right and double click on him double click on it now you have a private message right to him and say, hey, David, I love you. Now, the exciting part about this is, is that we're going to take this one step further. And if people are serious, like David, we're going to be able to have their webcast, uh, their webcam, because a lot of people are having webcams. It cost 20 or 30 bucks these days. Come right back, and I'll be able to format it to at any minute. See, there he goes. 
He's watching our service on his base in Wisconsin. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? And then I'll be able to see him. And that's step two is I'll be able to say, look at our international guests. You know, Pastor Amit, he's on there right now. He's one of the guys there. And so you'll be able to see them. They'll be able to see us. I'll have a little uh, laptop. I'll bring it. And if someone has a prayer request, at the end of the service, when I'm saying I'm praying, you know, those prayer requests will come up. And I'm going to pray for them right there. Somebody say amen. That's using technology for God's glory. Amen. All right. So turn with me now to 1 John chapter 4. We have been going through each chapter in the book of 1 John. If you haven't uh, been here, like I said, check up on the website and take notes today. And I've been looking at some of your notes, and I'm just so happy to see that many of you take the Word of God seriously and you really love the Lord. Well, I want to play another video, so we're kind of getting a lot of technology going today. Because what we're about ready to read today in this first portion, and by the way, today's message is God is love. So you can put that on your, uh, your title, God is love. But we're, talking, we're going to talk today about false Christs and, and antichrists and false gospels. And I want you to see this video I tried to get up for you last time. So one more time, my brother, if you could hit that light. I want you to watch this and tell me what you think about it when we get done with it. Go ahead, brother. Jesus was told to go to 
Jerusalem. The second Jesus was told to go to Miami. Yes. Miami is the bridge for all nations. That's where Hispanics are. And then, eventually, I'm going to find a lot of beautiful English-speaking people who want to believe in me, and I'm going to have millions of them. Oh, Dios mío. I, I, I'm sorry for the Puerto Ricans that have to watch that, but I think that's like payback or something in a weird way because it's always been the white guy, the crazy David Koresh, hair going everywhere. Now it's a guy from Puerto Rico. He lives in Miami, and he thinks he's Jesus. Is that not crazy or what? Now let's look to our Bible. Let's see what the Bible says. Chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already here. And even now is already in the world. Everybody say amen. I want you to underline in your Bible, acknowledge. Acknowledges. And underline every time you see the word acknowledge. I believe it's two times. Because... There are false prophets in this world that will use the name of Jesus. The first context of this story right here is John the Apostle is writing to a people who are dealing with the heresy of Gnosticism. Everybody say Gnosticism. The word Gnosticism comes from the word gnos, which is the Greek word for knowledge. During the time of John and for the next couple hundred years of church history, there was a group of people who believed that Jesus was just a spirit that came down on earth, appeared as a man, but then went back to heaven. He didn't die, and he never really had flesh. They then believed in a dualistic world, kind of like yin and yang, like the, like the oriental uh, worldview. Everything of the earthly world, of the physical world, is evil. Everything in the spiritual world is good. You can do whatever you want in the physical world as long as the spiritual world is good. So if you say, I have Jesus in my heart and I try to do your, the best in spiritual things, love, kindness, then you can drink as much as you want. You can have sex as much as you want. And, and that is exactly what the Puerto Rico Jesus teaches. And this type of teaching was popular in Jesus' day, or rather in John's day. And if you listen to him, he said basically the same thing, that the spirit of Jesus has come to me. You see, he doesn't acknowledge that Jesus had flesh and is a person. He is a God person. He is the divine person. But Jesus is still in heaven with flesh. When he became a man, he became the God man for forevermore. So number one, this is contradicting any teaching that Jesus never was a man or that he is still a man in heaven. Are you listening to me? That was the Gnostic teaching, which actually derides what this man is talking about. But then now you go to the second type of people like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses who will say, yes, I acknowledge Jesus came in the flesh. Absolutely. He had a fleshly body. He lived and died. He rose in that fleshly body. That's why it's important that he still has the body, because it means he raised from the dead. Amen. That's salvation. 
that that fleshly body went to heaven, transfigured into the divine glory of God, and that fleshly body with Christ, the divine God-man, will come down and judge the world. Are you listening to me? You'll be able to shake Jesus' hand one day. You'll be able to hang out with Jesus. He is the God-man. What that is... What this is correcting is when a Mormon says that, he says, I believe all that, but the Mormon says, I also believe that I can become a God. But just like I have flesh, Jesus had flesh, and then when I die, Jesus will resurrect me, and then he'll make me a God just like him. And then I can go on a planet and have my polygamous wives populate that planet, and now I can be the God of that planet. That's what Mormons believe. Now, they don't tell you that right off the bat when they knock on your door. Now, here's the key word with acknowledge. You see, they may say, I acknowledge Jesus for such and such, but they don't acknowledge him for who he is because that Greek word means to confirm all that has been said. I'm going to say that again. When it says right here that this is how you can know the Spirit of God, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh, what that word acknowledge is saying is every spirit that confirms with everything that's been said about Jesus. So the moment you start tacking on other things, you can know that that spirit is not right. Even as a Mormon who would say, well, I agree with everything up to here, but then now I'm going to tack on new things, that Jesus is just one of many gods. Are you guys with me? Another popular heresy and a lie, a false spirit in America today is Jehovah Witnesses. Once again, they're not like the Gnostics who deny Jesus in the flesh. They'll say, yeah, Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus died in the flesh. Jesus was buried. He rose again. And he's in heaven right now. They, they do deny the physical resurrection, though. They say that he only has a spirit in heaven now, which is incorrect as well. But then they'll say, but hold on, Jesus is not God. They'll say that Jesus was just a lesser being, an angel who was given the assignment to come down on behalf of God. And that actually Jesus is the archangel Michael. Now, once again, they don't tell you that when they knock on your door, do they? They want to act like they're just like us, that they're Christians. They want to just get back to the Bible. They're there to help you. They'll maybe talk about things you disagree with, you know, hypocrisy in the church and people not living for God. Or if you ever read their magazine, The Watchtower, it will talk about treating your family right, whatever. And I advise you not to read it, but if you ever have, you know what I'm talking about. It talks about keeping the commandments. And you'll think, well, these guys are Christian. But are they acknowledging all that is said about Jesus? No, because Jesus is called God in John chapter 1, verse 1. The other writing of John, the Gospel of John, he says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. So now you have a problem. You have people that will acknowledge Him, but don't acknowledge all that's said about Him. So what is John teaching us here in our first passage of Scripture? Is you better know who Jesus is. You better know who the real Jesus is because there'll be people just like me, maybe even cuter than me, nicer than me, and they'll tell you lies. And you can't believe every preacher with a microphone, every person with a TV show. You better learn how to discern what their spirit is. Now notice right here, it doesn't just say discern the person, it says know the spirit. Look at it said, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't say every person. You know why? Because this is a spiritual battle. It's not just what we think and concoct in our head and speak with words. No, the Bible says that we're spirits, the devil's a spirit, angels are spirit, God's a spirit, and we just happen to live in this body. Hello? 
So when people are coming to you and they're speaking those words, there's a spirit behind that. The Bible actually says that demonic spirits come to lie, that demonic spirits come to teach people things that are false. Matter of fact, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, just to give you another reference of this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and learn how Paul said that, man, demons would come and influence people. This guy right here has been influenced by demons. Demons have come to him and have given him these thoughts. These these thoughts come from evil spirits. Always think of yourself like this. You are a spirit that is a radio receiver. You can receive the information from the devil and Satan in your spirit, or you can receive from God and the Holy Spirit. You need to make sure you're tuned into Jesus. And how do you know? You know by what's been said about him. Because somebody could come to me, and if we had a Jehovah Witness here, and a Mormon here, and, you know, the Church of Scientology here, and the Jesus from Puerto Rico here, they might say, well, Joe, how do we know the difference? You're saying your way, this guy says his way. I mean, obviously, they're not all retards. Everybody here says that they can prove it. How do we know? You know how you prove it? By what has been said about him. It's not what I make up about him. If you can't prove it here from the prophets that come before, if this Jesus is not the Jesus that the prophets believed in, that the disciples believed in, that that was told about in the time of Abraham, then whatever Jesus they're bringing is a lie. Don't believe it. And who's the father of lies? The devil, he's behind it. Let me show it to you in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in the latter times where we are now, Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Come on. And things taught by demons. Joseph Smith, you know what he says? He says he saw an angel. The angel Moroni. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Look what you're supposed to do if you see another angel. Or an angel preaching another gospel. He says, I saw an angel. He says, I saw Jesus. He says, I saw these people come down and tell me my gospel. What I believe now. <clears throat> Look at Galatians, <clears throat> excuse me, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Everybody say a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Every, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Is that not what's happening today, people? Come on. But look at what he says in verse 8. Look at Paul's warning 2,000 years ago. God gave him this for us. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. The Mormons say an angel came down and told Joseph Smith, the Trinity's not real. The gospel that's being preached in the churches is not real. It's been lost for 2,000 years. Here's these golden tablets. Read these. This is the truth. He believed it, and he taught it, and now there's 4 million people that believe it. Charles Taz Russell, the leader of the Jehovah Witnesses, had in himself studying the Bible. He had impressions. He felt spiritual things leading him to the things he gives today. This man says that there was a day he was sitting in his office or something, and he felt the Spirit of Jesus come in and say, you are Jesus. 
Let me tell you something. When you have that spirit come, you better cast it out in Jesus' name. Because you ain't Jesus, baby. Come on. You are not Jesus. Cast that thing out. Don't even talk to it. Really, I'm Jesus. Don't even talk to it. I'm telling you, this stuff's real. I mean, not everything is just make-believe. We live in a culture today that wants you to rationalize everything. Oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as the spiritual world. Oh, yeah, there's ghosts, but they're called demons. And they're coming in the form of your Aunt Mima and Grandma Lucy and all of that to mess up your life. You better be careful and cast them out. You don't want Grandma's spirit in the house. I even know that some of the Catholic people believe in these things of going to the grave and having their spirits come back around. My friend from the Philippines was telling me that they pray to the Spirit and all these different things. To hell with that. I don't care if a Christian tells you that's right. It's not right. There is nothing you want. I don't want St. Michael in my house. I don't, want, I don't want the Mother Mary in my house. All them spirits get cast out in Jesus' name. You'll never see one time in the Bible where another person appears and does something good for somebody. It's always Jesus. It's always Jesus. And any time that we see that that spirit comes, it better be telling you the same exact gospel. If an angel comes, it's not going to come in the form of Mary. It's not going to come in the form of whoever. It will come in the form of whatever it is. It's an angel. All of that other stuff is demonic. Amen. You've got to be careful. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. i got to preach it. That's in the Bible. Go back to 1 John. We just go on verse by verse. 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 3 talks, uh, yeah, 1 through 3 talks about you judging spirits. Judge my spirit as a pastor. Judge it by the Word of God. Is this pastor teaching me the Word of God? Are the elders teaching me the Word of God? There are things that churches may disagree on. You know, churches may disagree on baptism. You know, when we are going to that retreat, they said, well, do you do the sprinkle or do you do the immersion? You know, we do the full immersion, okay? Some churches, you know, may sprinkle water on top. We're not talking about saying those people are full of demons. They got that talk told to them by Beelzebub, okay? Beelzebub! You, you sprinkle baptize. No, you know, you know, you want to sprinkle baptize. As long as a person is a grown person and knows how to get saved, that's it. Amen? So we're not talking about baptizing children. That's another thing. But, but even still then, we're not talking about disagreements of, of, of Christians trying to understand the Bible. You know, well, you know, can, can we go to church on Sunday or should we go to church on Saturday or should we have it at 10 a.m.? We're not talking about calling each other demons for that. Are you with me? What we're talking about is demons and evil spirits are prophets, preachers, people who are trying to get a message out, but they do not acknowledge all that's been said about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's go to verse 4 now. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. I just love the way he said that. He says, if you don't listen to me, you ain't of God. I love that. You come to this church, you don't listen to what I say, you're not of God. That just makes it simple. We don't need to have a debate of it, over it. We don't need to check my credentials. It's, you're not of God. You're of the world. You don't hear what I say because you're not of God. John was saying the same exact thing. He says, if you're spiritually minded in Jesus Christ and you're grounded in the Word, you're going to know right from wrong the moment it comes down the pipe. Just as many as, uh, of you, you heard it, you saw the video, you laughed, and you said, I'm not, that's not even close. I don't even have to consider that. That guy wasn't Jesus. It's not like you had to, like, have a theological debate. It's just you knew that guy wasn't Jesus. How many knew that? It's because you have God. 
And the Bible says that the only people who are going to listen to him are people who don't have God. They're already lost sinners to begin with. So you tell a lost sinner, you, you, uh, you know, you read the horoscope, you might find out your future. A lost sinner is going to do that. And you'll never see a Christian, a true Christian, read the horoscope. Every Christian would have enough common sense to do that. If you're saying to yourself, oh, man, look at the horoscope, and you know who you are. You're not a Christian. No Christian in there. How many people know I'm talking about? No Christian in their right mind would say, let, let uh, Madam Cleo in her predictions tell me about my life. Amen. No one will listen to that. When you hear a Mormon come up to you and talk about this and that and these visions and golden tablets and another book about the, the people who lived in America and rode horses and had all of these things that didn't exist, as I was talking about with my sister, all these fantasies that they say were on North America that we never have found, you know, like castles and all of these things. You know, they're lying. You just look at them. You're crazy. Okay? It's that simple. But here's the thing. Now you are responsible for what you project to other people. And you are now to teach the truth. You are to teach the gospel. You are to show people the light. And here's the thing. If they don't listen to you, don't get offended. They're not of God. When we went out street witnessing last night, just like every other night, we preach. We hear many, uh, you know, we talk to many people. People walk by. We don't like you. We don't like Jesus. All of these different things. A man comes up to me. He hears me. He says, I want to talk to you. Well, guess what? He's of God. That doesn't mean he's a Christian yet, but it means he's of God. It means he's already considering the things. You see, I didn't make him stay, and I didn't push those other ones away. The one in his heart decides with him and God what he wants. That person decides. Are you listening to me? So hundreds of people walking by, walking by, hearing it here. He comes up to us and says, oh, I want to get my Starbucks, and I'm going to come right out. I want to hear about this. You see, when people are being drawn by the Holy Spirit and God's dealing with them, they're going to get saved. They're going to get right with God. And when those who resist God, those who like don't want to come to church, those who don't want to read their word, those who don't want to hear the gospel of grace, those that don't want to live for Jesus Christ, guess what? They're just going to keep on walking. So don't get discouraged, preachers. Don't get discouraged when you're doing ministry. It's not about you. It's about God. And keep preaching the word. And when you go to that house with the Latino ministry or you go to the college or the school with the young adult and high school ministry, those that are of God, those that God is dealing with, those that are accepting it, will sit and listen. Amen? Praise God. Go to verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. And here's, here we get to the love. Remember, it's kind of like up and down. It's like judgment, fire, then love. And then here we get to the love now. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Everybody say God is love. Now, the first mistake, and I've got to start with the mistake that is made right here, is that now people want to flip it around and say love is God. See, that's the mistake that people make right off the bat. Oh, God is love. Love is God. So then they'll be like loving each other and be like, that's God. 
non-Christians will come up to you and be like, I love my gay, my gay husband here. I'm gay. I'm a man. I'm Steve. And this is whatever, Adam. And I love Adam. You know, and this is love, so God is there. So how could God not like our marriage? Because God is love and love is God, and here it is. That's not what it's saying. It's an attribute of God. God is a person. Love is a characteristic. He is not this characteristic. He's not like this ooey-gooey floating force of love going around everywhere. Ooh, I felt love. Ooh, God is here. I love the sandwich I'm eating. God is here again. You know what I'm saying? I feel, I feel love in the candy store. That's God. I feel love when I'm at Blockbuster. I feel love. That's God. No, that's just your emotion. It's a characteristic. You're loving candy. You love hamburgers. You love movies. You love whatever you love, okay? That's emotion by itself. That's a characteristic of you. The characteristic of God is that he is love. That means all love comes from God. And you can say that this love finds its root in God, and it's not kind of as cool to say that kind of loses its purpose, but that's really what it's saying is that the mother loving her children comes from God, yes. It comes from God because that's his attribute. You'll never have love in hell because God is not there. If God was not watching over this earth, there would never be love here. He has given love, but the love... Love is not him. How many understand that? He is separate from the characteristic, just like, you know, you are separate from your characteristics, okay? It's not like, you know, like you're happy, and the next time somebody feels happy, it's like, oh, I feel Augie, because Augie's happy. No, Augie can be happy, and then you can be happy by yourself over here, okay? But the gift of love, which is a separate topic where love comes from, how humans are created, love comes from God. That's a gift. That's a characteristic. Are you with me? Now, the good part about this is that we learn that he is love. That means he cares about us. That means he looks after us. That means God has your best interests in mind. I want you to think about that. Because sometimes you and I will go through life and we will not think that God has our best interests in mind. We will think that somehow, because we faced a problem in life, that this now disqualifies God from loving us. And that is not true. We should never doubt him because of the things we go through. We go through the hardships because there's pain in this world. And pain came from sin. It didn't come from God. The very fact that you and I are dealing with it is because God is merciful. A lot of people say, well, why doesn't God just get rid of evil and we'll all be happy? You know what he would have to do? He would have to get rid of you because evil is inside of you. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're like, get rid of everything imperfect, God, well, then I'm going too. So are you because I'm not perfect. So the very fact that there is this force of love that gives us hope in the midst of our struggles shows us that there is a God. You see, people who want to say all the problems and the evil of the world disprove a God, it actually proves a God for two main reasons. Number one, how would you know good and evil if you didn't know love? So the very fact that somebody is saying, how can there be all this evil and how can there be a God? Well, how do you even know to ask that question? Animals don't ask that question. They live by animal instinct. You know, it's not like a dog gets up and goes, man, I'm having such a hard day today. Man, other dogs don't like me. I don't know who I am. Who am Why am I here? You know what I'm saying? It's like the dog has this long, deep conversation, looks up into the stars, you know. What's the meaning of my life? Why did my friend just eat his own duty? Why, why is life so difficult for me? 
Here I am, eating this stuff all the time, licking myself. Why is life like this? I blame God for making me this way. The dog doesn't do that. The dog will be a dog all by itself, and he'll have a wonderful time. Sure, it has feelings. It has some type of a sense to it, but it lives by instinct. See, the human asked that question, and the very fact that he asked that question means that there is a God that created him in his image. We're rational beings. So when someone tries to say, well, what about all the problem of evil? That disproves a God. No, the very fact that you have a problem with evil proves a God. And then the second thing is, is that Jesus Christ resolves the problem of evil. He resolves it. Just as if you and I today heard of somebody being physically abused, a child, the most wicked thing that could ever happen, a a child being abused, every single one of us would demand justice. We would say, we demand justice for that child abuser. We demand justice for that person that would hurt a child. Well, who demands justice on this world? Who fixes it? I was talking to a man, and he says, well, I fix it. You know, when I make a mistake, I say, it's, I say it's wrong, and then it's fixed. You don't amend for your own sin. Let me just give you an example. If I were to take a, a pillow that had a bunch of feathers in it in the windy city here, and I just let it out over this street, and the, uh, the feathers go everywhere, and I said, now go get every feather. Could you do it? You couldn't go get every feather. He, he said, well, well, I can apologize for my wrong. I said, well, imagine you and I are arguing, and, and you're yelling at me, and then you're going to repent for it and say you're sorry. But a guy walks by, and as he walks by, he hears us arguing. He says, oh, that's a jerk, and he walks by. You'll never get a chance to make it up to him. I said, that's how life is. I said, there's chains and reactions that happen all throughout life, and you can't fix it all. And even your fixing still doesn't fix it all because you do it again and you keep making those same mistakes over and over again. And therefore, you never even change yourself. All you're doing is just sweeping up your messes and in actuality accomplishes nothing. So what does God do with the problem of evil? He puts it all on Jesus. Because God is love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That should be a good Scripture for you. Amen? That should get you excited this morning. Because God loved us, He took your guilt, your pain, your shame, all of our wrongdoing, all of the things He made amends for us. So evil is taken care of in Jesus Christ. We overcome. That's why it says in the verse before that, you overcome. Greater is He. Just look at it again. We didn't talk about it before. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome Him because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. That's not the Jesus of Puerto Rico in you. It's the God of heaven and earth. That Jesus through the Holy Spirit is in you. We overcome evil because Jesus lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now look at verse 13. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His... See, all of these discussions we've been having have been about the Father and the Son. In First John, the Father and the Son. And now, if you've been wondering, because I like to wonder these things in, in the study of the Bible, where's the Spirit? Where's the Spirit? Here He is, right here. He comes right up, right at His perfect place. Right when you're starting to ask yourself, well, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know that great God in heaven did come in the flesh? And how do I know all this is real? And how do I know I can overcome the world? Because we know this. Because the Spirit He's given us. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. You see, there is the Father... He's in heaven in all of eternity. He's been there. He's always been there. Somebody asked me where heaven is. I say where God is. He says, can you tell me better than that? No, I mean, I don't have directions, okay? I don't have a map. I can't point to it on Google Map. Yeah, here's where God lives. You can visit there one day. Here's a cell phone. Text him. Google him or something. Search his, find his address. No, there's not a place like you and I in the physical world can go to to where heaven is. God is a spirit. Then Jesus took on flesh. And he went to that place, and he is there now. And that body that he has is a divine body, so he can exist there. Then the Bible says the Spirit is there. But then here's the good part, that when Jesus came and brought redemption and died for us, he then sent the Spirit to be with us. So it is accurate to say Jesus lives in me, but it's not the body of Jesus that is in heaven. It is the Holy Spirit that brings Jesus to you, because the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. Matter of fact, go to John chapter 14, and let me explain it to you from Jesus' own words. So you can learn about the Holy Spirit. Never confuse who God is. God is the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father did not die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. They don't do the same exact thing. They're separate persons, but one being. If you ever try to say to yourself, well, I d that doesn't make sense. Well, here's the thing, my friend with the cantaloupe-sized brain. God's probably going to be a little bit bigger than your understanding, don't you think? Okay, so let me give you a couple things to accomplish first before we start having you try to understand the Trinity. Why don't you count the number of stars in the galaxy, okay? And then after you've done that, why don't you find out the origins of life? And then after you've done that, why don't you find out all the different mysteries of where life comes from on the soul and the purpose of man, okay? So if you can't answer all of those questions, past, present, and future, count the stars in the sky, you're not going to be able to understand all the minute details of who God is. What His Word reveals is this. It's okay to study the mystery of God, but it's always going to be a mystery that He is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one. Amen? Praise God. And I've wrote about that in the discipleship book if you want to learn more. But go to John 14. Look at verse 15. Here Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that he's going to send. Now remember, John was there. This is the gospel of John. John's recording these words. So John remembers this. This is what he's testifying about. That's why we have time to witness and testify up here in church. Somebody says, testify. And then somebody gets up and says, man, I want to tell you about Jesus. Amen? Well, John, just a few, you know... A few moments ago in that uh, first epistle of his, he was testifying about what we're reading right now. Just think about it, okay? Here we go. Verse 15. Here's Jesus talking now. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Isn't that kind of what First John was talking about? See, remember, it's the same guy. He was there. These are Jesus' words. Now he's telling you about him in First John. Now look at verse 16. And I will ask the Father. So who's I there? Who's speaking there? Jesus. So let's put Jesus in the place of I so everybody will catch it. I, Jesus, will ask the Father, see there's the other person, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Shika Boomba. Didn't work. Shika Boomba. <laughs> One, two, three. There it is. The Father's not the Son. The Son's not the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Father. They're all three separate persons, but they are one God. 
Jesus says, I'm going to talk to the Father. The Father is then going to send you the Spirit. And He, the Spirit, will come in my name, in Jesus' name. So this is not the Spirit in Buddha's name. It's not in Krishna's name. It comes in Jesus' name. Now, something that was taught in theology, and those who want to study a little bit deeper will love this, the Greek word for another, where he says, I will give you another counselor, is the Greek word elion, which means of the same kind. So Jesus is saying, I am here as God in the flesh, but I'm going to give you another to be with you of the same kind of I am, the same kind of person. See, you are a kind of person called a human being. A dog is a, is a uh, whatever they call those dogs, um, canine, thank you. A bird is a bird kind. Are you listening to me? This is the kind of species you are. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another person, but he's the same kind of person I am, a divine person. That's deep, but that means a lot when you're debating with people who say the spirit is just a force. People think of the spirit like Star Wars, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, get the force, levitate and all that. The Holy Spirit is not a force. Though he has power, those are his attributes, fire, wind, and all of these things. But he is a person. He is another person in the Godhead that has the same qualities as Jesus and the Father. If you believe it, say amen. He says, and I will give, or I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him. But you know him. See, it's not you know it, you know the force. No, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And he came later when he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Are you all with me? Amen. Go back to 1 John, chapter 4. How do we know this? Verse 13, by the Spirit He has given us. Now going on to verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. So who is the Spirit? God. There you go. So you're catching on. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Once again, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you want to go to heaven and not be afraid of God's judgment? Be made perfect in love. Those who are not made perfect in love should fear God's judgment. You see how that twisting of love is God and all of that gets people messed up? Because the homosexual can say, hey, I love my gay uh, lover here. We love each other. God's love. We're going to get to heaven. And God's going to say, hey, thanks for loving because I was there loving with you guys all the time, loving each other all night long. That's what, that's what they think. I'm being honest with you. That's what they think. No, you're going to get judged for your behavior. Your love did not perfect you. God's love in you did not change you. So that thing you call love was just a raw, nasty, dirty emotion that deceived you. Hello? Because every little goose bump and tickle that you feel is not necessarily of God. Hello? There's been a lot of people who felt those goose bumps and tickled, married somebody, and then they said, Oh, Lord, save me. Hello? 
You know what I'm talking about. But the love of God in you perfects you. It changes you. It gives you confidence. So when you stand before God, I know He's not going to punish me guilty as a sinner because He loves me and that love drives me and moves me to live for Him. It changes me, perfects me. I mean, I can't come up with a better word than perfect because that's what it says. That's where you get to the whole idea that Christians do not sin. You might say, well, yeah, well, technically we make mistakes. Yeah, but did you repent of that? Did you change that? Well, then today you stand perfect before God. You can say, oh, I don't believe that. You know, I mean, I might sin again. Well, today until you sin, you're not, you're perfect. See, people don't understand this. Jesus actually did something on the cross. He made you perfect in him. When you act imperfect, you have to repent for that. Your goal is perfection. Your goal is not to be as good as Ish or as good as Joe. Your goal is to be as good as Jesus. I mean, does that make any sense to anybody? It does. It's just the simple thing right here. There is no fear in love. Okay, so I can do whatever I want because God loves me then, right? Oh, yeah, I can live however I want. And I always thought of it this way. What if the pastor lived how the people do in the pew? You know, people in the pew will say, oh, pastor, I was weak in my flesh last night. I made out with my girlfriend. We did stuff we shouldn't have done. But Jesus loves me. I'm so glad to be here. I mean, how would you like me to tell you guys say, man, God's love is so great. I testify. I had an affair yesterday and then God forgived me. Man, isn't God good? I ran over somebody with my car. God forgave me. I drank a 40 on the way over here. Guess what? God forgives me. Hey, we're forgiven. God's love. Love is God. Are you feeling love? I'm feeling love. Hello? Does that, you, see, does, you, see, you see how the devil's a liar? And he'll take, he'll take smart, intelligent people and have them be fools. Do not be the devil's fool. Amen? I pity the fool, like Mr. T said. I pity the fool that would think to themselves they can live however they want and say that's love. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying God loved the world as a sinner, as a dirty, rotten, whatever we were sinner, a drug addict sinner, a lying sinner. But he loved us enough to change us. And now that changing is going on for the rest of our life. Just think about it. The first step you made to Jesus Christ was like getting on an... Um, one of those things at the airport, what do you call those things that move? Move walkway, moving walkway. Thank you in the back. So, yes, you, you come to Jesus, you step on the walkway. It starts moving you. You're moving along. That's Christianity. Okay? You make a mistake, you say, Jesus, forgive me, you keep going. Living the life of sin, not wanting to do what's right, not repenting for sin, not hating sin, not letting God change your behavior is getting off of the walkway. You're no longer moving forward. Can God deal with Christians that sin? Absolutely. But Christians are not supposed to sin. That's the point. Amen? They're called commands for a reason. Live for God and you'll feel His love. I forgot to say that. Because He does love you. And you will feel love. Amen? Uh, How many know married people learn this? That when you guys aren't fighting and arguing, you feel the love. Amen? Okay? When you're fighting and arguing, not so much. Love is, I got a lot of single people in here. I need to look at some married couples. You know what I'm talking about. In the back, come on. Dave and Aristotle, amen. When we're arguing with our spouses, we don't so much feel the love, the honeymoon, the ah. But when all that goes away, oh, I feel the love. Hold my hand. I mean, there's times where Nancy's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. You know, I can't even touch her. If I just touch her, it sets her off like an explosion. But once I say I'm sorry, I make it right. Oh. 
That's how it is with God. Make it right. Conviction is that feeling of things aren't right. I've got to repent. Well, when you repent, it's good. Love Jesus. Amen. And don't be afraid of the punishment if you're with Christ. Don't, no condemnation. Everybody say, no condo bondo. No condemnation and bondage in Christ Jesus. Everybody that's on that road to heaven, there is grace and forgiveness. Don't think about, well, I might lose my salvation. I don't know. Does God still love me? No. If you're on the train to heaven, you're going to heaven. Just live for God. Hate sin and love Jesus. Amen? Praise God. He loves you. Verse 19. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Would you stand up with me, please? Today's message is God is love. We first learned that we have to guard ourselves against false spirits, the Antichrist spirit, the spirit that is against God. Rachel, would you come, please? Be careful. And I know we're all sitting here today, and it's really easy to recognize some of these things we put on the, uh, the screen. But there is a lot of deception today. I remember when the Da Vinci Code came out, everybody was getting riled up. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Be careful what you believe. Be careful what you listen to. Some of the guys in the Bible class have gotten into some of the preachers on YouTube and, you know, different book writers, and they're not teaching the gospel. Be careful. Once again, I'm not saying we're the only ones and there's, you know, only like four of us going to heaven. I'm just saying be careful about whose books you're reading, who you're taking in, because there's a lot of uh, subtlety right now in the body of Christ. There's a lot of big churches and ministries that get on the radio shows, that get on the TV shows that are leading people astray right now. One personal one that just broke my heart. He's an awesome man of God. Uh, most people here who have you know, kept up with anything in the Christian circuit whatever, would know his name if I said it. And I mean, I love him. All my friends love him. I've loved him since I first got saved. He's been around a long time. He's an awesome man of God. I mean, and you're just talking like everybody wants to be like him. You know, I still kind of preach like him a little bit. We just imitate him. Everybody just loved him. Just an awesome man of God. Well, Dr. Phil starts having him on as a special guest. And if you know the name, don't say because I just want to be discreet at this moment. Something I'm usually not. So I'm going to do that just one time in my life. But this guy, he gets on there. And my wife and I, you know, we're excited, but already we're a little hesitant because we're like, Oh, you're on Dr. Phil. Dude, you guys already got to be click-clatting together somehow. Because if he lets you on there, you're already making some type of compromise. Because I know Dr. Phil's not having me on as his special advisor. Like, what do you think, Joe? The first thing I'm going to say is, you're crazy and you're going to hell. The rest of all y'all here need to repent. And now let's go on to the subject. That's what I'm being honest. I mean, somewhat more tactful, but probably not much. But that's what I would say. Talking about children's homes and, and kids getting in trouble, sex before marriage, they asked the, the pastor, Dr. Phils, now, now says to the pastor, now what do you think? What do you think the solution is? This guy talks for five minutes and doesn't mention Jesus at all. He's on the show with the title before his name known as a pastor, like Pastor Bob. They say the name Pastor Bob. They talk about him being the pastor of a large church. And now they've just asked him, what do you think the problem is with today's youth? 
I mean, if I asked our youth pastor here, a man that hasn't even been in ministry but a few months, asked him that same question, he would say, the problem is the devil and the answer is Jesus. All the other stuff is just details. What do you want to talk about? Sex before marriage, gangs, violence? What do you want to talk about? You see, that subtlety in the body of Christ. Be careful for that. Don't lose your boldness to preach God's Word. Keep loving God, even if the world doesn't hear you. That was the first lesson today, amen? The second lesson is, is that God is love. Remember that today. We live in a society, and I feel the pressures. I hate it. It's like I have to come to God on this all the time. We compare ourselves to each other all the time. I mean, come on. Does anybody else struggle with that? We're too ashamed to admit, so I'm the only one raising my hand. Okay, two people. You know what I'm saying? Girls, you look in the mirror. You're not as pretty as the advertisement. Guys, you don't. You know, before it was like in the 50s, you know, if you just had like a muscle, you were in shape. Now in like 2000, dude, if you're not busting out with veins, if you're not super tan, super hairless, you know what I'm saying? Dude, then you're not in shape. Like, I have, like, the young people, like, walk up to me going, like, dude, what do you bench, like, 50 pounds or something? Like, I'm in shape for a man. I don't look like Ricky or Arnold Schwarzenegger. But men, you know, you put these things in your, th- in your heart, and what happens is we begin to have low self-esteem. People deal with that all the time. Come on, I'll be honest, I struggle with it. Remember, God is love. Man, sometimes you just got to remind yourself, I know he loves me. I may not understand why he would love me with pimples and my hair and a belly and whatever, but he loves me. Read the scripture. God is love. God, I trust that you love me today. That's one of the biggest lies of the devil is to get you to think you have to do something else for God to love you. Like if you don't keep your New Year's resolution, God's not going to love you. If you don't keep your diet, God's not going to love you. If God loves sinners, God loves you. Now, if we want to change our theology and just say God only loves righteous people, then we need a whole other book to go by, okay? And I want to just give this as an example because it sure helped me when I first got saved. When I first got saved, or or prior to that, I was doing drugs, I was smoking, drinking, sex, money, and drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff is what I was doing, okay? So I get saved, I read the Bible, I realize I shouldn't cuss, I realize I shouldn't get in fights, okay? And so one day, I'm skateboarding, and I don't do a trick, and I am like beating my skateboard on the ground, and I'm just cussing like I normally do, right? And, and a friend comes up to me, and he's like, dude, I thought you were a Christian, why are you cussing? I'm like, oh yeah, you're right, I shouldn't do that. Do you know the whole way home I thought I wasn't saved anymore? I didn't even think God loved me. Like, God loved me when I was committing crimes. God loved me when I was a drug dealer. And now here I am trying to live for him. I make a mistake, and I don't even feel like he loves me. It's like the devil, if he can't stop you from living for God, he'll try to make you feel you can't live good enough for God. Catch that. If he can't stop you from living for God or coming to church, he's going to keep telling you, you're bad at this. You're terrible. You stink. You're not doing it good. God really doesn't love you. You're losing points. Dude, you're terrible. You're losing points. Dude, how could my daughter, I'm not ready to cry, just think about it. How could my daughter ever lose points with me? Dude, I have been in jail with the most disgusting of people. I wouldn't even share a jail cell with them. They were nasty and disgusting. But their mama would come on visiting hours and say, that's my baby. Come on. 
Parents, you know what it's like. You don't give up on your kids like that. You might kick them out. You might whip them a little bit. You might starve them. But you, 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 you could never disown that child and say, that's not mine. That's how God looks at mankind. And then when you accept Him, you're adopted into His family. No hell, no demon, no sin, no condemnation, no guilt from somebody else can separate you from His love. Remind yourself of that. Get in that this week. Worship Him. I challenge some of you just to stop talking about all your problems in prayer closet for a minute and just worship Him the entire time. Just say, okay, i got a half hour to pray. I'm going to take my little wish list. I'm going to put it to the side. I'm just going to love Him and say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for taking me into your arms so nobody else would. Thank you for not giving up on me. And the Bible says, when we do that... Our lives transform. Obedience comes from our love. You will love God's commands as it goes to right here. Just I wish I could get to it right there. It goes right back to the commands. And it says, if you love Him, you do it again. And it just fits right in there perfect. It's like a love sandwich. It's like God is love. Keep His commands. And then you love God. So if I love God and God is love, I can do this thing in the middle called live life and please Him. Amen. It's like a love sandwich. Eat one. Take it home with you. Share it. That's how we live this. I don't stop cursing, fighting, yelling, doing drugs, praying, reading my Bible because I'm afraid of going to hell. No, because love works in me and took out all that fear and all that condemnation. And I know He loves me. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your love today. We in this service, in Your love, God. And Lord, though we may not read these Scriptures every week, we should remember this every week. And every moment, we're home by ourselves. Father God, You taught me a while back that the human brain has 50,000 thoughts a day. And You told me through this psychiatrist that 80% of the thoughts we think are negative towards ourselves. And that's why so many people deal with depression and all of those things. Lord, You taught me that if I would just think half of those thoughts about You, my whole life outlook would be different. God, I pray that will happen today. I pray for transformation of thinking. I, I pray for stinking thinking to go. I pray that, God, in our soul, we start to believe this, that you love us, that you care about us, even on days when problems happen and we don't figure it all out. But, God, you're the remedy to the problem, whether it's at that moment or in eternity. We know you're going to make it all right. And, Father God, I pray that we just rest in your love. We walk in your love. We keep your commandments in your love. And Lord, when we get weary and tired and we don't feel like we can go on, love us some more. Love us some more. Love us on our way to heaven because we can't do it without your love. What I'm saying, Father, is just love me and love my friends here today. Love us because we love you. We believe you. We believe you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. I feel your presence in this place even now. We welcome you. Bring us the Father. Bring us Jesus, Holy Spirit. Let Him be in our hearts today. Abide with us, Holy Spirit. Greater is you that's in us than he that's in the world. Transform us. Make us like Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, we welcome You. In the next few moments, we'll dismiss in just a moment. But if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to a closer relationship, either through repenting of sin or you just want to give it up to God one more time, I'm going to open these altars just a few moments to come to your knees and just begin to pray. Band, would you come? Let's end today in prayer. As the band is coming, just make your way up here today. If you came here with sin in your heart, let love transform you. Let love transform you. If you came here battling with low self-esteem and the pains of life and fear, come on, just worship Him and say, God, I need you today. He knows what your problems are. Just tell Him, I want you. I need you. Transform me. It's one thing to talk about God's love. It's another thing to experience. He said we can experience it and know it today.